This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin is brought to you by Stoke Seeds. Select from the finest quality vegetable and flower seed at stokeseeds.com and get growing with Stokes. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Hey, good morning and welcome to The Garden Show here on Zoomer Radio. I'm Dean Holland and joined by Charlie Dobbin. How are you this morning, Charlie, you goddess of the garden, you? I'm very well, Dean. I I like our little uh, pre-radio dance that we do in synchro on Skype, which is how we're joining Carlos, who's actually in the real studio. We're in our home studios. We are indeed. And what a beautiful morning. I don't know where where we are in Collingwood. Just beautiful. I think both of us went out for a walk this morning before the show for for slightly different reasons. (laughs) (laughs) But of course. Well, you, like you said, you're not too far from your downtown Collingwood. So Getting out to the market early in the morning is a great opportunity. I went out to my garden and picked a few fresh peas and nibbled on my local, grow local, (laughs) homegrown peas uh, as part of my looking for my cat walk. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And we went and we went walk downtown and uh, also visited our market and we visited the uh, uh, the honey stand. They, they, they sell these honey sticks, which are which our kids like. And so we always grab a couple down there and I got some fresh organic garlic okay Um, which does lead me to a question that i will i will pose maybe later on in the show but i do have a question about garlic as well as a couple of other things now do you have any uh, any announcements you have to make uh well i do want to tell everybody that in two weeks two weeks from today i will be live in person at the trenton hort the Cultural Society. Nice, uh, and that is a that's like an evening, about a six o'clock, seven o'clock show. And I'm honestly not sure what my topic is, so hopefully somebody will let me know at some point. And uh, it'll be the first time I'm live in front of a crowd in years. Yeah, and that and it's a good feeling. Mm-hmm. Good, good feeling. Listen, I'm going to give those numbers out. Uh, we'd love for you to give us a call, and the lines are starting to light up already. Uh, anywhere in Toronto, four one six three six zero. 0740 or anywhere toll free in the province of Ontario, 1 866 740 4740. And uh, of course, let Carlos know if you are a first time caller, and I will give you your garden wings. And <laughs> I just remember I, I forgot the bell upstairs, so during the break, I'll go get it. <laughs> Wow, got that just I'm just like I'm just doing really well this morning. Um, <laughs> we want you to call often. We want you to call early and please 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 one question per call, okay? And so uh, I think at that we will take our first break. We have to take a, a quick commercial break, but we'll be right back with much more on the garden show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. 
Yes, indeed. We are back here on The Garden Show. Dean Holland and Charlie Dobbin. And um, I'm, I've got the bell now. So, <laughs> so if, if you're a first-time caller, we'll give you your garden wings. Um, I do have a quick question. I said I had a question about garlic. Yes. So, okay. I'm a... Um, I'm a bargain guy. I, I like I, I like little bargainy things. I my eyes go to that. And I happened to be in one of the local hardware stores, and they had some gardening things uh, about a week ago. And I happened to see a box of garlic that you plant, you know. And of course, it was reduced down. It was kind of about two bucks. And so I thought, oh, I'm going to grab some of those, you know. And so I'm just wondering, um, like, is it too late? Can I put them in the ground? Will it do me any good for next year? Can I store them till next year, or have I just lost my toonie? No, I would not try and store them. Um, feel the well. You know when you plant garlic, you break open the the big bulb to right. get to the individual cloves. Yes. So what I would do is feel. You know, if it's soft and mushy, then just eat that garlic. Or you know what I'm okay. saying? Like the quality isn't great yeah. for planting. The best times mm-hmm. to plant garlic is number one in October or April. <laughs> so you're okay. not at an optimal at time either. at all. No. If you want to try and store till October. See, if you plant now, it'll start to grow and then it might just get killed off in the winter. What you want to do is get it in the ground when it is um, cool enough that the garlic won't grow right away, but it does. It should be outside all winter for your best bulbs next year. Okay. If you plant in the spring, then you harvest in the fall. Not as big as the ones that are planted in the fall, but but certainly doable. Um, so now, like I said, it's not your best time. Uh, eating might be your best option. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> well, let's get to our first caller. We have um, we have Don calling from uh, Unionville. Welcome to the Garden Show, Don. Good morning. How are you today? We are both well. Yeah. Good what do you got for Charlie there? Yes, I do. I have an orchid, Phalaenopsis, and it blooms for months. Then it loses its blooms, but it's getting uh, larger and larger. So I'm wondering if I can cut it back, or is that going to kill it? So what's getting larger and larger, the leaves? No, the oh. the stem. Fla- flower stem. Yeah, each time um, it, it well, you know what? back to bloom, w- it increases its length of stems. Right, because it is a very happy orchid, and it's going to set more buds on that stem. Right. So... What I often when you buy an orchid, it'll come with these little orchid clips. They're little tiny green clips and wire um, stakes that are used to hold the flower stem up as straight as possible, and then the the stem is clipped along the stake. Yeah. So if, if you find that that flower stalk is getting taller and taller, and maybe even making the plant uh, unbalanced as a result of that big tall flower stem, yeah. then I would clip it to uh, the stakes. You can cut it down, but you are going to be likely cutting away future flowers. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. You're very welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the question there, Don. Okay. uh, Let's take, let's go right to our next caller. We've got um, Sandra who is uh, calling from Etobicoke. Good morning, Sandra. Welcome to the garden show. Good morning, Charlie Dean. How are you? Oh, good morning. Good to hear your voice. (laughs) That distinctive accent, I know. (laughs) Charlie, I've got a question regarding my runner beans. This happened last year. They flower. They start to produce the beans. The sparrows obviously think it's the greatest snack going, and they eat (laughs) the little tiny beans. They really haven't formed yet. You know, just when they start to form, and they, they eat them all. Well... 
I'm, so, I'm, you know what? I'm thinking about that slingshot I'm, that I want to design for you. I'm telling you. Well, the, I was the, wondering the, about putting mm. netting over it. Yes. Um, That's the best thing. Would that affect the pollination of the other flowers? Uh, you know, the bees probably couldn't get in. Well, okay, so there's different kinds of netting. Netting to protect from birds, it doesn't have to be super, super fine netting. Like, it doesn't have to be like cheesecloth. It can be, because, uh, you know, you'll see it even in the commercial orchards where uh, cherry trees are fully netted to keep the birds from stealing all the cherries. And the, the nets are a wide enough grid or, or um, weave that pollination can still happen, but birds can't take fruit. Okay, so so that, I would look at something like that as your best option. Mm-hmm. I mean, the other thing is a cat, a dog, a slingshot. I mean, those kinds of uh, just, you know, something that will scare the, uh, the sparrows away. But otherwise, um, yeah, like a, an actual physical barrier is your best bet. I, I did see some, um, I did buy this, they called it garden netting. I guess it's for fruits and vegetables. So, mm-hmm. so that would work. And yeah, I, depending I on, on how big the weave wanted. is. But they sell something called bird scarers too. They're little discs with a sort of red eye on them. Do worth a try. Yeah, worth a try. Yeah, it's that idea of something dangling and sparkling and moving in the plants, which will scare the birds. Um, and, you know, we see that with people using aluminum pie plates hanging in some of their trees to keep the deer from, from coming close. It's just that uh, animated uh, sparkle can be uh, quite frightening to, to so, some so of the, the pests. of aluminum foil. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Makes them a little twists. And that as long work. as it, it'll move, right? You want to make sure that the wind will catch the aluminum and, and that there'll be some animation. Okay, thank you so much. Yeah, You're thank welcome. you. Thank you, Sandra. Okay, we. Uh, I'm going to give those numbers out again, and then we're going to go to another break. Uh, 416-360-0740 or toll-free anywhere in Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. We will be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, I'm Dean, and here with Dobbin. Dean and Dobbin, The Garden Show. We're back. There you go. Thank you. Speaking of D, D words, uh, yep. Dawn, our first caller, mm-hmm. who I hope is still listening, uh, sorry for not responding with the recognition that you had sent me an email of your orchid. And you know what? Like, I'm looking at these big, tall stems. They are, you know what? The best, if you can, is let them go completely brown and then cut them down. But in this case, they aren't completely brown. There's a little bit of green in them. So, you know, up to you. You can you can always cut. If you're going to cut down, cut down to a node. And the node on the flower stems is the little white stripes. So down to a node. And actually, by doing that, you'll likely force out some more bloom. So, you know, bring them down by half their height. How's that? Better better answer that time. Gotcha. Um, a quick question uh, regarding the last caller, Sandra, who called about her uh, their bird problem. Um, do do the, those plastic owls, do they sometimes work if you put them around? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, they work, but they only work temporarily. So the okay. Because the, the owl is scary. Like, it's got quite the eyes, right? Yeah. So the birds see, and, and then they'll kind of veer away. But it doesn't take them long to realize that those owls aren't moving. So your job is to go out there and move the owls around. Okay. <laughs> so, gotcha. It's that idea of animation right it's the idea that it's got to look alive 
Right. Otherwise, they figure it out after a while. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Okay, let's go to our next caller. We have a first-time caller, too. We have uh, Colleen uh, from Newcastle, Ontario. Welcome to the Garden Show, Colleen. Thank you. Issued. Sorry, am I good to go? <laughs> yeah. You are. Okay, I've been in my bungalow just almost three years now, and I have a beautiful locust tree in the backyard that's taller than the house. And this year, for the first time, it's being the leaves are being eaten by little little green bugs. And I don't know if there's something I can do about that or if it's going to destroy the tree. Okay, so this is a honey locust, not a locust, right? Uh, uh, you're going to say, what's the difference? <laughs> a yeah. locust tree is a native tree. It's got very interesting furrowed bark uh the leaves are quite a bit larger than a honey locust a honey locust has tiny little you know thousands and thousands of tiny little leaflets on it and i imagine that's locust. what you've likely got yes yes you're right okay what you've got on there are um they're called um oh dear uh, they are specific to honey locust Oh, I'm going to forget the name because where I used to live in Richmond Hill for 25 years, we had a massive big honey locust. And every year they'd get these little green bugs. And all you do is have to walk underneath the tree. And before you know it, you've got little green bugs on you because they're, they're that plentiful when they arrive. You can spray. The problem is, is that it is such a huge tree by this time you won't ever be able to really effectively spray. And when you spray, you would spray with something simple like a safer soap solution or a bug-be-gone pyrethrin solution, which will kill those insects on contact. And um, however, so I never sprayed mine, but did the tree ever die? No, no. Oh. I mean, they do, they're sucking the leaves. They're sucking some of the liquid out of the leaves. And uh, like I said, there's millions of leaflets and there's also thousands of insects. But at oh. the end of the day, they, if the tree is healthy, so do your best. Always think, if I keep my plants healthy, then an insect infestation will not harm it in the long run. So when we get into drought situations, Colleen, you're going to have to hollow your, your hose and do a deep, slow watering around the tree, not at the base of the tree, out at the drip line, slow, deep watering. I don't know if you've had much rain at your place, but I'm very dry at my place. So mm -hmm. deep watering and, and you know, just the, the regular care. If it means bringing in an arborist every four to five years, clear out some of the dead wood, you know, clean up some of the, the crossed uh, branching um, and do like, you know, send good vibes to the to the tree, look after the tree and the tree will get through these little, I think they're called midges, I'll double check, that are doing the, what they're doing. But ultimately, only a very sad, unhappy tree will be uh, really... Um, you know, caused uh, major detriment from these insects. Okay. 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 All right. Thank you so much. Good luck there, Colleen. Yeah, and thanks for your call. And do uh, do call again. Uh, Charlie, We I think I've told you before, um, uh, because of my work in theater, I worked a lot in the, uh, in the early days of the Sterling Festival Theater, which is mm -hmm. just north of you. Right. So uh, we got married in, uh, in Foxborough, just in part oh, of yeah, the county yeah. there. Yeah. And we got married outside of what would now be about a 175-year-old farmhouse in a grove of black locust trees is what oh, we yeah. got married yeah. in. So yeah. now I don't know what the difference would be, but it sounded very romantic to say that we got <laughs> married in a grove of black locust trees. Well, they're very endemic here 
in this part of Ontario. Mm. So, like I mentioned, what's cool, black locust is a native tree. The proper um, genus is Robinia. So it's um, beautiful, beautiful bark. I don't know if you remember, but it's like a mm-hmm. really uh, just, you know, you, it, it's, I'm drawn to the bark of, of black locust. Uh, very deep, furrowed, corrugated type bark. Um, and they they grow mm-hmm. big. They grow fast. In the big wind here, they also drop a lot of branches and, and tend to shed excess top growth in order to withstand some of the big winds. Mm. Honey locusts are imported. They are what we would call an exotic species. Uh, so Gliditsia being the genus. They Much smaller leaf. But what we love about honey locust is, generally speaking, they are pretty trouble-free, other than the odd insect. Um, but they withstand pollution much better than many other trees. So they're an excellent tree in the urban environment. They tend to to do quite well and grow and survive and thrive. And what I love about them is you don't have to do a lot of leaf cleanup in the fall. They're uh-huh. such tiny little leaves fall from the trees that it all just goes down either into the garden or into your lawn and and you can basically ignore the the leaf drop. Uh, so that's nice. It's a lower maintenance tree than the average. Yeah, that's handy, actually. I have to be very honest, and I, I did not notice the bark. I could not <laughs> take my eyes off the my wife that I was, I was about to marry. Say, yes. <laughs> and uh, and all these years later, uh, almost push, uh, approaching 25, she still has that effect on me. So there Aww. you go. Okay, I'm going to give those numbers out again. Uh, 416-360-0740. Anywhere else in the province of Ontario, one 866 740-4740. We do have room on the lines for sure, so please give us a call with your questions. Um, and again, let Carlos know if you are a first-time caller. Let's go to Whitby now. We have Florence on the line. Uh, good morning, Florence, and welcome uh, to the Garden Show. Um, I have a question about my Brussels sprouts. Um, I put my Brussels sprouts in the front garden because I have a puppy, and she will eat them if if I didn't put them in the front <laughs> garden. And and they started off so well and and look really really healthy. Just this last week, uh, the center is beginning to look a bit too curly for my liking, and it looks as if perhaps something's getting at the center of it. Right. So are they in full sun, six hours minimum a day? They're in good sunlight, yes. Okay, and reasonably good soil, I assume, you know, well-drained. Um, I hope so. <laughs> I'm not so sure okay. of that. All right. And the other thing is, um, have you uh, watered? Because, again, it's been pretty dry. It has, and I have been um, um, very faithful out there early in the morning, uh, watering my pots, my Brussels sprouts, and there's a few flowers that I do know to keep um, looking vibrant. They have uh, to have a lot of water. All right. Good. So um, don't water every day when it comes to plants in the ground. There's no question with the pots and the potted flowers, even potted vegetables. They likely have to be watered every single day just uh, just because they're above ground and it's so warm and windy, etc. Plants in the ground, you can overwater 
in error if you try to water them every day. So I would be careful with that. Um, and do use mulch. I don't know if you've used mulch around your Brussels sprouts, but whether it's straw or newspaper or bark mulch, that helps hold the moisture in around our vegetables. And it's so important that we have consistent moisture available to grow great vegetables. Um, and I mean, the only thing that I can think of that goes after Brussels sprouts is something called a cabbage looper, but it would be a bit odd for that to happen. Um, uh, so you said they're looking curlier. So you've, uh, you've got the nice, are the stems the, starting the, the to grow tall? Seems to be pretty good. Uh, some of them do have little holes in them. Um, but the center, as it's coming up quite well, uh, but they look a bit too curled for my liking. They look almost mm. as if something may be laying eggs on them and, and they're... they're yeah, responding. Well, look closely because there's no question we know that when aphids get a hold of any of the, the tip growth, the new growth on any of our plants, we see curling in the leaves because the leaves actually okay. respond to all those aphids. So look closely. I mean, if you think there might be some kind of a, an insect infestation, but you can't see anything, remember yeah. just a, a, um, a high pressure spray from your hose can be quite excellent for dislodging insects so next time you're watering you might consider that right yes um you you see uh, because it's a front garden it's surrounded and when you said aphids uh, it's right next to a rose bush oh yeah um (laughs) i had to put it between the roses and the peonies (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay okay so look closely a lot of times we just have to take a good look and aphids are sometimes hard to spot because they come in every color of the rainbow and some of them blend in beautifully because they can camouflage very nicely being the same color as the plant so check take a take a a, a good close look and uh, and see if you can see anything and let me know if you can send me a photo if you can take a photo just if you're not sure but like I said dislodging with with a high pressure hose is often one of the best short term ways of dealing with any infestation. Okay, thanks. Okay, good luck with that. Yeah, good luck. Yeah. And thanks for your call. And she has a dog that likes Brussels sprouts. My kids like Brussels sprouts, too, actually, most of them. so They're not that hard to grow, actually. They're they're neat-looking plants, too. I I like the look of them. Yeah. Okay, let's go to, uh, it looks like we have uh, Maurice. That's what it looks like to me, from Edgar. And uh, she is a first-time caller. Welcome to the Garden Show, Maurice. Hi there. How are you? Good. May I give you your, your garden wings? Hold on. Uh, there it is. <laughs> and I'm sorry, did I pronounce your name properly? You did, actually. Fabulous. Woohoo. Thank you. Very impressive. <laughs> um, okay, How... I have a couple I have a couple of quick questions. My garden is in the back. It's rather big. And bunnies got to it this year. Are you there? Yeah, we're here. Um, sounds like you're driving. Oh, okay. Carry on. We're listening. Okay. Um, and they, they cleaned me out. Oh. Those little pesky bunnies cleaned me right out. <laughs> yeah. So I reseeded, but now it's having a hard time growing. Because of the heat. So this is a vegetable garden we're talking about? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Right. 
so uh, so the bottom line is uh, we we are having a kind of the year of the bunny I think in a lot of ways there's a lot of bunnies out there so you can encourage oh, bunny predators so you know convince the coyotes to come and hang around in your backyard and you'll have far fewer bunnies or you know the old get a dog kind of just that idea of scaring the bunnies otherwise the only thing you can do is fence it fence it from the bunnies it doesn't have to be a tall fence unlike a deer fence it only has to be you know knee high but it has to be you know solidly in place so that they can't get under it or over it and it the reason your garden's having issues now is the heat when it gets too hot plants don't grow just like when it gets too cold and it has been warm Um, moisture obviously is important moisture in the soil so you may have missed some of your opportunities but you know what get out there with stuff like if you can put up a bit of a fence get out there with lettuce i I, I put a fence and i buried it two feet in the ground oh perfect i no longer have bunnies and i do (laughs) have a dog but the problem is they're coming in at night that's right. Okay, so if you're protected with the fence now, then the main thing is to grow the things. Now, it, it's just a question of the heat. Make sure the soil has been well amended with lots of great organic matter. Use a mulch, as I mentioned to the last caller, which will help keep moisture in the soil when it's this hot and this dry. Okay. But there, you should be able to get, a, you know, some some of the fast-growing crops will come up now. I'm not suggesting you go out and seed tomatoes now, but certainly many of the herbs can be seen now uh, lettuce will come up very quickly if you like radishes I plant carrots even now beets um, peas well it's a bit too hot to get peas or beans but you know worth a try with some beans perhaps seeds and my, just concentrate my, my on those kinds of growing. plants okay okay yeah good luck with that uh, Maurice thank you uh, very much for your call and uh, make oh, sorry, sure you call back sorry, again I one, no I have one other quick question I have beetles on my uh, rhubarb. Sorry, I missed that. What's on the rhubarb? Beetles. Beetles. Mm. Pick and squish. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I can do that quite well. Thank you very there you much. go. Pick yeah. and squish. Okay. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah, well, that's the issue yeah. with beetles, right? It's very hard to kill beetles. Yeah. And you don't even have to squish. You can pick and just have like an empty. Pick and uh, she has a dog, so dog food can, a little bit of water, drop of oil, pick yep. and drop, and they will drown. Nice. Okay. Uh, just a little quick footnote. I did check. According to the Chinese calendar, it is the year of the tiger, and 2023 <laughs> is the year of the rabbit. Just so you know, so so it's still coming. I just so want you to know. Watch out for the tigers. Yeah, oh my yeah, God. It's the tigers. tigers and bears. It's, it's not the rabbits. So <laughs> I I have decided that actually what I am going to tell my children to do because I'm you know I'm a little bit too late and late, you know so I'm I'm going to tell them they need to somebody needs to create a a variety of rabbit. <laughs> that only eats weeds. And so all then right. we can bring those into the neighborhood and it just eats all of the weeds that we don't want in the garden. And then and then that would be a really, really great, great variety of rabbit. <laughs> you know, the only problem with that, Dean, is what's a weed? Oh, right? well, yes. Right? Fair One, enough. You might say, I, well, I call a dandelion a weed. Somebody else yeah. might say, oh, gosh, no, I love dandelions. Yeah, I grow no. them on purpose. <laughs> fair enough. You are absolutely correct. Okay, got to take another quick break, but we will be back with more right here on The Garden Show. 
Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed, we are back with the Garden Show. Uh, Dean here, and uh, Charlie, you have uh, something more to say about Brussels sprouts. I do. Florence called just to say that she thought her Brussels sprouts looked a little too curly on the top. And it, I just, on a quick glance here on the web, I just want to let her and everybody else know some of the, the things I've neglected to say. One is marigolds. Always in your, in your gardens, your vegetable gardens, think about marigolds because they're just a really good deterrent to many insects, particularly soil insects that might try and attack any of your vegetables. So next spring, if you're growing Brussels sprouts again or any vegetables, Banks and marigolds in close by. Do remember crop rotation, so don't put Brussels sprouts in the same place every year. Um, here's one I didn't mention, ha- aluminum foil. If you lay aluminum foil on the soil at the bottom of uh, something like Brussels sprouts, aphids get very confused. So they come and they think that they want to attack that plant, but they see the tin foil and the tin foil is reflecting the sky. And then they go, oh, and then they fly right down into the aluminum foil because they think it's the sky and then they die. And it's a, it's a really funny, strange way to eliminate aphids with aluminum foil. Uh, and then, of course, the, the row covers. We talked about uh, row covers earlier with Sandra. The idea of covering the plant to protect from insects. Okay, okay. Okay, we're going now to the, uh, uh, we've got another first-time caller on the line going to the, uh, this is the Delhi Tilsonburg area, Otterville, going to talk to Kathy. Good morning. Welcome to the Garden Show, Kathy. Good morning. Good morning. morning. I'm going to give you your garden wings. There you go. Welcome. Thank you. (laughs) What do you got for Charlie there? Uh, I grew zinnias this year from seed. And I had really good luck. They're they're doing really well. And I just wondered if it's possible to gather my own seeds this fall for next year. And I've never done that before. What kind of zinnias were they? Do you know? Oh. (laughs) Oh. Hang on. You know why? If well, so the reason why I say that is because unless it's an open pollinated non-hybrid variety of zinnia, then the seeds will not breed true. Oh, I see. So, for example, I'm growing zinnias as well. Um, and the ones I'm growing, of course, I'm going to current I'm going to forget exactly the, the hybrid name. They, I love them. I grow them every year, but I have to plant new seeds every year. They will not grow. For, actually, I don't think they produce seeds, these ones. So that's kind of one of the things we accuse the, the seed developers of doing is they force us to buy new seeds every year. But there okay. are old-fashioned original – are yours really tall, your zinnias, or going uh, to be tall? About mm, – not real tall. Yeah, so they're probably a, a, a cultivated variety or a hybrid variety. So, yeah, I would say probably not. You probably won't even find that there's any seeds set on those zinnias. Okay. But this is a great summer for them. Lots yeah. of heat, lots of sun. Zinnias love this kind of weather. Yeah, and so do the great. butterflies. Okay. Great. Okay, thanks yeah, thanks for, for the question. Okay, and thank I you. Don't- I don't recall a zinnia question of late. So that's so nice to have a, a, a zinnia question for sure. I love zinnias. So you know what I do? I plant zinnias and I plant parsley. So right now I have four caterpillars eating my parsley. Okay. They, they are the caterpillars of the 
eastern black swallowtail butterfly. So I've got so much parsley, I'm not worried. There's enough yeah. for all of us. Um, so the, the, these little caterpillars are chewing away on my parsley. In the next couple of days, I imagine they'll just disappear. And then in about 10 days, suddenly they're going to appear in my in my zinnias flying around as butterflies. Ah. Uh, it's very cool. It's the, the cycle of life if you've very got clever. those two plants. I got to tell you, my dad always planted marigolds around uh, vegetables too. He and, and so I would suggest, based on what you've said in the past, a couple of things to plant are garlic and marigolds will help mm -hmm, keep mm -hmm. pests away. Yeah, That's right. Yeah, it's what we call companion planting. Fabulous. Okay, we are going to go to Port Dover now, and we have Jacqueline on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Jacqueline. Thank you very much. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. What do you got for Charlie there? Um, Charlie, I'd like to know uh, when I'm supposed to prune a coosa dogwood. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, um, okay, so you're pruning it because it's got dead stuff on it or because it's just getting too big? It's getting too big. I had right. it pruned two years ago, and oh, you would never know it. <laughs> <laughs> and when now you say you flowers, had it pruned, the flowers have disappeared, and the fruit okay. is starting to form. Yeah. So the trick with with any pruning is that in the heat of summer, like now, it can be very hard on plants to do a lot of pruning. Um, right. It, um, it, it's always good to take anything away that's dead or diseased or damaged. You can do that at any time of the year. But in terms of actually min like taking the plant down to a smaller size, doing any kind of pruning that way, you've got to recognize that it, it's that it can be uh, detrimental ultimately to the plant. I am a big fan of doing most of my pruning when the plant is as dormant as possible, so spring or fall. Plus, it's more comfortable for you, the pruner, to be out there doing the work. And, um, and if it's a big plant, like I'm not sure how big and tall it is, but it's something that I, I mean, you can always, mm -hmm. if you see branches rubbing together, that sort of thing, that's going to become damaged, certainly get out your pruners and pick one and eliminate the other at any time. But to do any kind of major pruning, it's much more of a spring or fall uh, activity. So that I would probably do it this fall in that case rather than the spring because uh, of the I, flowers. Flowers come well, so early. Yeah, exactly. They are early bloomers, so there's no really great time. I mean, the the rule of thumb is we do all of our pruning on our flowering plants right after they flower. So yeah. um, the coosas tend to bloom in, you know, May-ish. Uh, so if you want to prune right after they've bloomed, you'll have less fruit, but you can do your pruning then. But don't wait till July. It just gets too hot. No, it's too, it's too warm now. So I'll wait I think so. until maybe September. Yeah, September, or if you want to wait till next spring and do the pruning right after they're finished blooming. Okay, doke. I can do that. And, and a question for Dean. Dean, would you like to share your lavender scone recipe? Oh, you were talking. Well, it's his wife's recipe, I think, or his grandmother's. <laughs> Dean, are you there? <laughs> oh, somehow your microphone got turned off. <clears throat> oh. I will do that. Yeah, it's um, it's actually my scone recipe, and I oh. will make sure I have it for next week. You got it. <laughs> okay, okay, thank you very much. Okay. Have a great okay. weekend. Thanks, Jacqueline. Thank you. Okay. Bye -bye. Uh, we have to take our next break, but we'll be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Daffodils and 
daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, stalks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Okay, here we are back on The Garden Show. And I was just going to say quickly, if you do have a really, really quick question here, the number is 416-360-0740. Toll-free anywhere in Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. We do have Elaine on the line from Pickering. Uh, And first-time caller, welcome to The Garden Show, Elaine. Hi there, how are you? I'm good. Here's your garden wings, my friend. Yes, I... There you go. <laughs> Thank Welcome. you. Well, I have a, hopefully a, a easy question for you and Charlie. We have a silver birch maple in our backyard, and it's been there for about 10, 12 years, no problem. All of a sudden this year, it's developed a black area on the upper section of the upper trunk, um, and when you press on it, it oozes out a bit of a black liquid. I'm hoping it's not like a mold, or is there something we can do to treat it? Okay, that doesn't sound good. So you said it's a silver birch maple. Which one is it, birch or maple? Oh, silver maple. So that's point. what I thought. <laughs> okay, so so ten to twelve years. So it must be fifteen, twenty feet tall. Yes. Yes. And okay, so when you press on the upper bark, so the bark where you can reach it, so five or six feet above the ground. Right. Right. You press on the bark, and it actually oozes a liquid. Yes, and it comes out like a black, slimy. That doesn't sound good. No. Uh, we never like it when liquids are coming from under the bark. Yeah. Uh, it does indicate that there's something typically fungal, though it could be bacterial, growing under the bark. Right. Often something like that is introduced by insects, because insects just wander around, and sometimes they carry <clears throat> fungal spores or bacterial spores on their bodies, and as they're wandering around, they, they drop these kinds of things right. into our plants. I would, in your case, get a hold of a certified arborist okay. and get them to come to your property and do an analysis and a consultation. Yeah. What we love about certified arborists is that they will come at no charge. Okay. They will look at whatever your problem is, okay. and then they will tell you what it will cost to hire them to solve yeah. your problem. Oh, but when great. it's something going on on the main stem uh, it's different than if it's on an outer, like a branch. Because a branch, you could say, well, we'll just cut off that branch right. and eliminate the problem. But when it's on the main stem, it's never a good uh, sign. Yeah. Um, but I would still get somebody in. Because you know what? A tree that's been on your property that long has value and Absolutely. is adding value to your home, not to mention shade and, you know, yeah. wildlife uh, habitat. Exactly. So and brings I, a lot I, of pleasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So I'd get somebody in to take a look at that because it's a bit hard to diagnose from here. Yeah, I thought that, but that's okay. good guidance. Thank you for the tip. I'll, I'll definitely yeah. do that. Thank All right, you. thank you guys. Thank Thanks you, and good, good, good luck yeah. with that. Thank yeah. you. Okay, uh, we have one more on the line. Hopefully it's a nice quick one. Uh, Monica from Oakville. Welcome to the Garden Show, Monica. Hey there, Monica. Y- yes, it is. Yeah. Morning. Good a morning, nice quick Charlie. question for Charlie there. Hello, Charlie. Hello, Monica. (laughs) Um, Just wanted to ask you very quickly. um, I don't know even if this is your field of expertise, but I'm getting into sustaining wildlife with native plants versus alien plants. And I've read a very interesting book by a fellow called Douglas Ptolemy, Bringing Nature Home. Are you at all familiar with him? I am familiar with that book. 
I've um, had other uh, other listeners tell me about that book and how wonderful it is. Yeah, yeah. He's got some great ideas about sustaining wildlife by growing native plants. Now, the problem is he lives in Pennsylvania, and right. uh, I think a lot of this stuff is applicable here. Uh, he talks about New York State as well. I just wondered, my question to you was, are you aware of anyone who addresses this topic on a more local basis? Hmm. Uh, in terms of a book, not so much. So native plant specialist people. You know, I think for all of us, probably the first person that comes to my brain is a gentleman named Sean James. You have heard him on this show if you're a consistent listener. <clears throat> His name is S-E-A-N James. Okay. Uh, his company is called Sean James Consulting, and he works out of Milton. Um, he is, he's like, he's not only a horticulturalist, but he's a real, he's almost, uh, uh, like, he's a naturalist. He he knows things that most people don't know. <laughs> he could just look at an insect and go, oh, look, there's a blah, blah, blah. Or he'll listen to a bird and go, oh, that's a blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I'm always so impressed by Sean. Well, so I'll Sean, definitely look him up online, because you know, yeah. that and all the invasive species that we have taking over our natural areas, I find mm. quite alarming. And I'd mm. really like to at least start in my own garden. I've got, you know, yeah. the milkweeds going and all the rest of it. But um, it's a fascinating subject for me. And I just wondered if anybody local was addressing it. Um, well, like I say, Sean is, has a consulting company. He does design and he does speaking engagements. So um, he's a, you know an interesting person to connect with. He's also, you can follow him on Instagram. He has a great feed on both Facebook and Instagram uh, every day. Usually he's posting something. So um, that's, and, and yeah, Ptolemy, Professor Ptolemy, he's out of the University of Delaware. Um, just a, it, quickly in a nutshell, what he, his points are shrink your lawn, mm-hmm. Grow keystone plants, native keystone plants. Mm-hmm. Uh, recognize that caterpillars are good, mm-hmm. and and uh, allow caterpillars to complete their life cycle. So don't be killing caterpillars. They provide food for the birds, and ultimately can become very very important insects yes, for pollination, yes. so etc. You know, we've sort of been thinking exactly the opposite of that all these years. You know, exactly. If we, if we uh, if we move it, we kill it. If it moves, kill it. But, yeah, you know, this absolutely. this is really so much wiser thinking for the long run. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I'll let you go. You. Thank Thanks you very for much calling. for your work. Yeah, I'll look up the, Sean the, James. Yeah, and you look up Sean James, and I'll just let everybody know the book that Monica is referring to is called Nature's Best Hope. Uh, the author, as we said, is Douglas Ptolemy, T as in Tom, A L L. A-M-Y. And the one that I was just finishing was called Bringing Nature Home by uh, Ptolemy. And that's the one, you know, less lawn, more garden type of thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks so much for the call there, Monica. And uh, uh, that's a great way to to end off the show, that little reminder as well for, uh, Mm. yeah, not killing everything that moves, (laughs) as it were. Um, uh, I don't know. We don't have a whole lot of time. We have uh, about 30 seconds left. But uh, I know you did get uh, my mother-in-law in Mount Hope says that the squirrels are too clever and they're um, they're working their way around the plastic forks. And uh, so <laughs> more but, forks. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, uh, Carol sent you an email saying that uh-huh. there's these sheets you can get at uh, dollar stores uh, that you can cut and put them in the bottom of the pots. They're kind of spiky. Well, yeah. So um, from the Dollarama, is she yeah. said only in the spring does she find them. So we'll we'll talk a little more about that. We're we're all looking for them next year for sure. You got it. Thanks, Dean. Thanks, yeah, thank everybody. You. Thanks, Carlos. Great callers, everybody. Keep those questions coming. See you again next week.
This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.